This is the Amazon Planet Podcast, episode 20. I am your host, Joel Amazon. Thank you for your decision to listen to this episode. There are lots of choices out there, and we appreciate it. I'm recording this on Wednesday, March 25th of 2020, and the reason why it's important to say the date is that things are changing a lot nowadays. We have a global pandemic going on where we've got social distancing, sports are canceled, schools are closed, essential businesses are the only things that are open right now and there's just a lot of question marks and so thinking about the impact on schools and teaching and teachers um it just felt like we need to keep putting out these podcasts one this one might be more of a distraction listening but i think there's also some things that might be relevant to um our current situation so we'll sprinkle in a little bit of that but it, it this one's kind of a, a unique one because I don't really want to offer advice right now. Um, I take that back. I'm not offering advice, but maybe some recommendations, um, some content that's previously been produced on this podcast, some things that are on my website. But there's a lot of people, a lot of organizations out there offering advice, and um, I'm just going to put some recommendations, or even just say, "Here's some things that I'm doing," and you can make your own decisions. And I think as a as a teacher, I appreciate that. I, I don't like being told what to do, but I like being given options and ideas about how I can go about proceeding. So one thing I'm going to recommend is now that, you know, like, I don't know if you're the same way, but I had my schedule got cleared out. So again, I know everyone's situation is different. There's some people out there that are really stressed with regards to their situation, whether it's a childcare situation or it's an employment situation. But maybe your calendar became like mine and it got completely cleared out. And so now I'm really designing a uh, a daily work schedule, not only for myself, but for my kids and for us as a family and, and trying to think like, well, what would be ideal? And so one of the thoughts I had was going back to an episode, well, I think the first episode one of the Amazon Planet podcast was on the book When, which talks about chronotypes and thinking about how we work. And that was by Daniel Pink, that book by Daniel Pink. And so I think that's a great episode right now. So when I'm at it's, when it's one o'clock and I'm really dragging, that might not be the best time to be editing uh, an article or, or reviewing some writing, right? So thinking about what are the parts of the day, given I have a lot of freedom right now, what are the parts of the day that I need to focus in on? That which kind of work can I do during which times of the day? So if you're sitting there in the same situation trying to figure out how to best utilize the time that you have in a day, think about your chronotype. Maybe go back to that podcast on uh, Daniel Pink's book, When. Another thing is if we're going to be doing good work, we also need to be doing good rest. And so Alex Sujong, Kim Pang's book, Rest, I did an episode on that um, over the summer, I believe, or maybe it was towards the beginning of this year. Anyway, there's not that many episodes, so you can take a look. Um, but anyway, that talks about you know the value of rest. So I mean, I think we're trying to be productive with our time, but we've also got some emotional things going on, some stress things going on, and we need to take into account our need for rest. And so that's something I would just recommend that book. That might be a good thing to read, but rest, that's a good one. Um, also, The Power of Moments. And so thinking about it, you know, from my situation, I've got kids at home and thinking about what are some things that I can do with them, given we have so much time together, 
how can I design some moments, you know, so they don't just think about this as the time when mommy and daddy were stressed, but maybe about the time that we got to do some unique things, got to build something, got to uh, go f- do some uh, something every single day. If it's uh, watching a family movie or playing a lot of games, we played an epic Monopoly game the other day. And so, you know, thinking about how can we have those power, those using that book by Chip and Dan Heath that we did an episode, that I did an episode with Gary Williams, I believe, uh, on that uh, earlier. Um, I think that was last year. Another one, another book we looked at, Essentialism. So thinking about what's the most important thing, doing more with less and really paring that down. And so we don't need more stress in our lives. And I think when I was thinking about my own class, I think I took an essentialist perspective when I was thinking about moving a face-to-face class online. Essentialism, I kind of, you know, focus in like, what's the most important thing and how can we say no to as much of everything else? So that was, that was something that, um, some thinking that I kind of used. And so there's an, a podcast episode on that. I think it's called more with less. And then finally I had, um, a lot of people were looking for stuff that they can do with their kids at home. And so depending on what your school's doing, so our local school district has got, everyone's got devices and they've got tasks going out there, but some school districts not, and you're might be looking for what can I do with my students or my kids or my children or some uh, niece or nephew or whoever, maybe you got someone that you're taking care of, like, what can I do with them to help them, you know, keep being challenged academically, but also not stressing them out. And so if you're looking for some good tasks to use, I've got a, um, a page on my website, amazonplanet.com forward slash good tasks, where I think there's some good stuff there for teachers to access with regards to what's like one or two really good tasks I want my students to think about. Um, if you're looking for some of that material, that would be a good source, but also there's also some good guidelines for what is good content, right? So looking for, is it aligned to standards, right? Is it from a reputable source? Is it something, um, that has some reflection associated with it? All those things would be good for, with regards to thinking about it from a teacher's perspective, but then also, what are those same guidelines could it be useful in seeing all the other stuff that's out there for, hey, you should do this, you should do this. I think it's we're being bombarded with help, and it's like, how do you sort through it? And so, like, from my perspective, I'm a, I think of myself as a math teacher educator, so I'm looking to groups like NCTM, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. I'm looking to the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators for good sources to use because I trust my colleagues. And so... Trying to find those sources that you trust it could be from your school district, could be from other places that you could use to in order to, you know, help with an education situation. So that's advice, or that's <laughs> I guess it's advice, but more, hey, here's kind of my thinking on it. And if it works for you, that's good. Okay. So there's some resources that you can use. And all the links for the stuff that I mentioned here will be posted in the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 20. On to this episode though. So I'm, I'm calling this create like this create theme. So we started the year, started 2020. I recorded a episode in Kenya. Wow. that feels like a long time ago now, but, um, started with looking at my word of the year, which was create. And then that was inspired by the broken record podcast with Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell. And I looked at all a bunch of those different episodes, of the uh, that podcast and kind of drew out some lessons and thought about them for teaching. Well, I really enjoyed doing that. I really love thinking about music, love thinking about the creative process. I really like 
this word of the year that I got into. And it looks like some of you liked it too. A lot of people liked that episode. So what I want to do is do a little bit more of it. So I'm gonna, we're going to say there's a theme throughout the year of using my word of the year. So this is another one in the create theme. And so what I did is did something that I enjoy doing, which is watching music documentaries. And so there's a lot of them that I've watched many times. It's a lot. <laughs> Some of them, like the, there's one called the history of the Eagles, which is about the band, the Eagles, which is fascinating. If you've never seen that one, I would suggest looking at, I mean, that just the amount of connections that they had to other people within music and just how like Glenn Fry was, um, being mentored by Bob Seger in Detroit. And he was a, a, one of the background singers on rambling gambling, man. I don't know. And just their connection with Linda Ronstadt and how, uh, Glenn Fry and, uh, heard Dr. My Eyes by Jackson Brown being written because he was in the apartment below. It's just, I don't know all this stuff. I just think it's fascinating. But anyway, I love music documentaries. I've watched that one a ton. I've watched the Pearl Jam 20, a ton. Um, and then the one for this episode that I really want to get into is sound city. So sound city is kind of a unique documentary. It's kind of a two parter. And so sound city has, uh, and I'm going to read the description in just a second, in just a second, but there's sound city was a recording studio in California and the documentary really does a history of sound city. And it also talks about this console. It's really kind of like about technology about this Neve council council, which is a, um, uh, it's a way for in a recording. I'm going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about here, but it's a way for the way for the bands in the recording studio, all the inputs. So from the drums and the micro, all the microphones that are in the recording studio goes into this console and then takes that information and they, move some sliders and stuff, and that all gets recorded to tape. Wow, what a very uninformed way to describe it. But hey, here, wait, I'm just going to read the description about Sound City, the documentary. So here we go. Here's the description. Deep in the San Fernando Valley, behind the train tracks and amidst dilapidated warehouses, was rock and roll's best-kept secret, Sound City, America's greatest unsung recording studio, housed a legendary, one-of-a-kind recording console, there you go, and became the birthplace to the seminal albums that define 20th century music. Fleetwood Mac, Neil Young, Rick Springfield, Tom Petty, Nirvana, amongst many others, all put magic to tape within these walls. It was rock and roll hollowed ground. And this uh, is directed by Dave Grohl, who was the drummer in Nirvana and is the lead guitarist and singer in Foo Fighters and leader of that band, and featuring interviews and performances by the iconic musicians who made their careers in the studio. Sound City tells the story of real rock and roll history and celebrates the human element of music as Grohl gathers some of rock's greatest artists to collaborate on a new album. Using Sound City's legendary analog console, together they continue to create music miracles in a digital world. All right. That's much better than my description. So yeah, that's, there's two parts, the history. And then there's actually, they get together and, uh, eventually in the, in the documentary, you see that the recording studio goes under and this legendary recording console gets sold to Dave Grohl, who then puts it in his house in Virginia and then invites a bunch of people to make a record. So you get the history and then you see people in the creative process making a record. So again, like a two-parter. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And so I was trying to think like, what are some, 
what are some teaching principles that I could extract from it? Or, I mean, things just came up as I was listening to it. I'm like, wow, there's just lots of things. And then considering our current situation with um, the coronavirus and moving online and think about the role of technology and in what we're doing right now and the role of technology in this documentary, I just thought this would be a good thing to talk about. So I'm excited to talk about it. And what's cool about this is that this uh, this documentary is available for free on YouTube. I've actually embedded in the show, uh, embedded the YouTube video in the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 20. So you can go and see, and, and I'm going to try and link to some of these points into the exact moments that they are in the YouTube video. So you can go check my work. It's like I'm doing citations, but so, and again, though, if you, if you want a full support in, in this, the YouTube version does have ads in it, but if you do want to get your own version of this documentary, you can go find it probably on Amazon or iTunes and purchase your own copy. Cause like we say, always, we're not going to get the whole thing. And we do want you, if you find this interesting and you're in a state of self quarantine, I would go watch the video, watch the, watch the movie. It's good. Just like uh, when we mentioned watching or going and purchasing the books, go, go get the video or go at least watch it, watch it through the, through YouTube at least. So all right, so we're going to get into the categories, all right? So again, this is this is really a documentary about, kind of about technology, because one way that Sound City became the place to record is because it had the best technology. It had the best technology for recording to tape, right? And everything was there. Every Any mistake or every beautiful note was recorded. And like they said in the, in the, um, video is if you had a drum that was set in the microphone set grate and you hit that drum, it would sound perfect. But even if you screwed up, if you turned up the drum too much or you turned up the microphone too much or it became uh, distorted, it still sounded great. And so that was what was cool about this you know, console is that it was really great at recording live, right? Recording to tape in a very analog way. But in the end, it was technology or Pro Tools or you know, like how I'm recording this podcast is through my laptop is that, you know, people could basically do the same, same work of, um, of the console or of a recording studio in what, what I'm doing is recording in a, uh, a closet in my garage, right? They didn't have to go to recording studios. And so it was kind of, it's technology brought it to life, but then in the end, technology brought Sound City to its end. But then, Dave Grohl and through this uh, through this documentary kind of highlights well what's really behind it what's really important in music and in the creative process and so excited to talk about excited to get into the categories I think I did a pretty good job of synthesis yeah I did a pretty good job of synthesizing some of the learnings I have we're going to go through all the different categories but let's get started all right so my first learning was the outcome is what matters the outcome is what matters. So in the documentary, they talk about that Sound City was this nasty, dirty place. Like they'd never um, cleaned it up. Rick Rubin is like, it'd be so easy just to clean this place up. But nobody ever did. They never remodeled. I mean, one time there was one of the uh, people like, uh, you know, spent all their money and got some paint and painted the walls. But that was all the improvements that they had. They had this very great piece of equipment. But otherwise, it was an old box factory that had like shag carpet on the walls. It was nasty and dirty. It wasn't designed as an amazing space to record, but amazing stuff emerged, right? And so 
what I was taking out of that from my, that learning was it doesn't really matter about where you're doing your work or, you know, how awesome your, your, your schedule is in, in, uh, uh, you know, on the wall or whatever creations that you've done, how neat they look. It really matters as the learning. So if, if I'm thinking about my, what I'm doing as a teacher, right? My classroom might not be the best looking, the most organizing, but what happens with regards to the learning, right? Is learning happening? Are we focusing in on the outcome? And like for Sound City, the outcome was great music, right? Great rec- great recording of what uh, the people did there. And so that's what folk, and so focusing on the outcome of the music and this for me as a teacher, focusing on the outcome of the learning, is the learning happening? If my teaching is good, then learning is happening. So you know, for example, a lot of people get focused in on like, what's the class, you know, for teaching, like what classroom management system or CMS are you using? Are you using Blackboard? Are you using Canvas? Are you using Google Classroom? And something I found with regards to when I've been asked to move all my content online for a face-to-face class with regards to this um, current situation we're in, like I found, you know what, a good organized Google document is going to be just as good as a classroom management system like Blackboard that has all the bells and whistles, right? I don't need my students to jump into some technology that I haven't been using all that much. I know that they've used it in another class, but, you know, if I have a good Google Doc with all sorts of links uh, put into it that are appropriate for my class, like, that's going to be good enough. It's Yeah, it's not going to be the fanciest thing. Yeah, it's not going to, you know, release, you know, when they go to a discussion board, it's not going to release responses after they've already responded to something. no. But in this situation, I don't want to stress them out with learning all this new technology or by doing something that's overcomplicated or even just to think about what do they have available for themselves in their own situation. Do they have technology available for them? Uh, Do they have, you know, the bandwidth available to do all this stuff that if I had them go into Blackboard or is it better just to have them into a, a simple Google Doc? So, and then also gets into, you know, sometimes the greatest stuff that happens with my teaching, it happens five minutes before class. And there doesn't, there isn't a lot of time to make it all fancy. It's like, oh, I got to run to the coffee machine, do something real quick and get that ready to go. Cause that was the aha. And to think like, oh, I've got to make it look nice and pretty. You know what? Maybe not. You you might not need to. It might just be a bunch of post-its that make some sort of aha moment come to life within my class. Again, focusing on that outcome. This one was probably, probably should have been last, but I have something else I want last. The second learning I had, it was technology as a tool. And really, there's a a spot where they talk with Trent Reznor about technology and pro tools and things like that. And, you know, he talks about when when they're talking about the history of Sound City and when pro tools emerged, there are these, all these digital devices that allowed people to do things without a studio. You know, he made the comment, he said, with all these great tools, where people have so much access to these creative tools. Is there a lot of great stuff? He didn't say stuff coming out. He paused and he said, not really. So you think about it. It's so easy to get stuff out there. And he's like, is it really making a bunch of good stuff? And he's like, no. So just because it's easy, doesn't or easier to produce doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good stuff. And so thinking about, um, you know, something I saw in, my teaching is that all of a sudden these interactive whiteboards became available. And, you know, just because they're there, does that mean that people should have them? Or even thinking about all these one-to-one where every student has a device, how are people using those devices 
in classrooms, right? And so actually one of the things from this our current situation is we're actually seeing, you know, in our, in our local district, they are really m- trying to maximize the capabilities that they, the students have. So if they've got laptops, like our high schoolers, middle schoolers and high schoolers have laptops and now, um, you know, uh, they're, they're handing out other devices to some of the younger grades, you know, how are they using those devices? Are they using the technology as a tool, right? Versus if they were just in a face-to-face environment where, where there's a, was the device really just a glorified typewriter or was the uh, interactive whiteboard just a, <laughs> just basically being used as a whiteboard, you know, like were they just typing up what they would normally just write on a whiteboard and just projecting it. And so how are we using technology in ways that actually make for better learning or in this, in what uh, Trent Reznor was saying, better music. So Reznor would use technology or use like pro tools as an instrument. And so what was really cool is in the second part, Reznor, I think Josh from uh, Queens of the Stone Age and, um, uh, and Dave Grohl created a song together. They created this song and, you know, they're doing different, you know, they're, they have a, a bass, a guitar. Um, I think there's some drums maybe. And then Reznor's on the keyboard and, you know, they created this beautiful song. You're like, wow, that's amazing. But Trent Reznor wasn't done. He's like, okay, they made that song and then he looped it back through Pro Tools. And then he used, I think a guitar to like manipulate the song even more like on top of it. So he used the, the tool, the, yeah, the technology as an almost another instrument in order to make this thing that was already created even better. So it was neat that to see that process happen where he really was using the technology in 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 different ways and not just to smooth out mistakes that they had made, like not to eliminate some of the human process of it, the human creativity, but to even take that human creativity on top with the technology. And so you know, when you think about all the free tools that we have access to now, and, you know, I, I'm guilty as anyone of saying like, Ooh, look at that shiny new thing, that new platform that I want to use. And even to up to a couple of years ago, I mean, I would just incorporate more and more technology into my course just because I could. And then all of a sudden I, I was pausing and someone in my, uh, 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 within my teaching evaluation said, man, we had to learn a lot of technology. It was kind of being thrown to the wolves. I'm like, you know what? I counted them up like that's a lot of platforms I have them use. Do I really need all those? And do or and now I'm being really intentional about how many different platforms I'm asking my students to use. And then even now, thinking about now, and like I'm not gonna all of a sudden, like I said before, incorporate new technology when I don't want to stress out my students any more than any more than they already are. And do I really need that new technology or will this other technology that's they already know do that job, even if it's not as good as the other ones. So like we're using a lot of Google suite products, we're using YouTube videos, like stuff that they're pretty comfortable with already in order to, and then trying to use them to their fullest rather than use those tools to their fullest rather than trying to incorporate new stuff that might not work or might not integrate or play well with the stuff that we're already using. Um, you know, and also seeing, you know, some other examples is there's these like uh, kind of like quizzes and stuff that you can do with um, with one's called Plickers and one's called like Cahoots. Um, you know, there's also Quizlets, like all these things that, you know, teachers might use in order to basically do 
like basically a pop quiz, but it's more interactive, right? So with Plickers, like you hold up like a QR code and the way that you rotate it tells you what answer uh, that you individually are given. So a teacher can just use their phone, scan the class, and it can see how everyone responded to a class. Very good formative assessment tool. But something I've seen is some of my students have used it or my teacher candidates have used it as like a way to do like a guided lecture, you know, and say like, okay, I got a point I want to make and I'm going to see how they respond to this question almost as like a pre-assessment. And if everyone's got it, like, okay, I don't need to go too deep in that. Everyone kind of understood that question. Maybe just say something quick. And so it's a way I'm going to go through this exercise of asking these questions. But in the middle, if we've got confusion, I can see people have confusion. I'm going to ask some questions or make sure that we've got those points made. Or also, because if I'm using Plickers, I can see who got the question right. I might ask, hey, hey, you, the student that got it right, can you say a little bit more about why you responded the way you did? And they know they're being called on because they got it right. Or and, and that's also a way that maybe there's a student that doesn't get them right all the lot, that you can give them some confidence speaking up in the class. Hey, you got it right. Tell me what your thinking was behind that. So again, using, using our technology as a tool is something that really comes out of that Sound City uh, experience. Um, and I think, you know, kind of the end, what they said was that the NEV Council, the Neve Council, um, you know, that they used to record everything, that the, kind of the, the core focus of the uh, documentary, did the best at capturing what humans created, the warts and all, right? Pro Tools did the best at maximizing the potential of what humans created. So, you know, seeing that and seeing that, but can we keep what humans created at the core, right? So even if it was analog or digital, is what's being created by humans at the core or is it all about the technology? And I think that's what Reznor was getting at. Like, are we still creating good stuff and then using the tools to enhance it, right? Another learning I saw was the music of mistakes. So, you know, some things what they would say is, hey, we just got in, we, we, a band would get into the studio, plug in and just start going, just start making it. And that was the cool part about the second uh, the second part of the documentary where you saw like Rick Springfield and basically the rest of Foo Fighters get together and write a song or um, uh, or like what I talked about with Trent Reznor or even at the end, Paul McCartney joins basically, uh, well, it's Chris from Nirvana, Dave Grohl from Nirvana, and then uh, the drummer from Foo Fighters all get together and they wrote a song together. And it was like... It was so cool because I, you one, you know, like Dave Grohl really, it was the Beatles really that he looked up to. And it was this console that he recorded Nevermind on. So it was the the band that inspired him with the Beatles, with Paul McCartney being represented. The console that he recorded Nevermind on, the, the thing that launched uh, Nirvana's career and his career. And all that coming together in order to produce a song. It was it's kind of beautiful. It's kind of cool to see, one to see the creative process, but one to see those all those connections being made in the moment in there. But anyway, seeing the creative process, seeing the mistakes that they're being made, and they you know they like they're wading into the unknown and they're making mistakes and they're doing some things. But then the mistake is like the thing that then be, gets added in, right? The mistake is something that's the beautiful part, and now it's part of the song. So now it's not a mistake anymore. It's part of the learning. And so seeing that and seeing the different things that um, that I see in classrooms where it's the mistake that leads to the learning, right? And so one thing that we talk about in math classrooms is about 
making sense of problems and perseverance solving them. And perseverance means that there's going to be struggle and we need to celebrate the struggle. We need to have those mistakes in order for beautiful stuff to happen. And so the, the kid's mistake the kid that makes the mistake might lead to the aha moment for that same kid or for certain other kid. And so seeing that same creative process happen in uh, the documentary, you can see that happening with learning. And we've seen it, you know, in, in cases where, where wherever, you know, sort of instruction is happening, if it's in a business, if it's in uh, a boardroom, if it's, you know, on a, on a team, whatever, where, we're making mistakes, but that might lead to something beautiful. And so the the music of mistakes. And so I just, I like seeing that. And like uh, another thing, this wasn't in the documentary, it was in another one that Dave Grohl was involved with, Sonic Highways, where they went to all these different, um, they went to all these different, uh, like famous recording studios in different cities. And with this one in Chicago that they went to, I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, they're putting in, they're plugging in someone's amplifier and they're like, Hey, that kind of sounds cool. I mean, they're just plugging in an amplifier. They kind of missed the hole. So it made all sorts of noise. And so like, Hey, that, that kind of sounds cool. And like, what if, uh, what if we use that in a song? And they like, they timed it out and they recorded it and that became part of the song. And it was like, it's the music of mistakes. Like let's embrace the music of mistakes. It's beautiful music. Like sometimes, yeah, it sounds really weird. Sometimes it, it looks really weird. Sometimes you know, like, but if we say like we value mistakes, like one, we're not afraid of them. And two, we can leverage them for learning. And so there you go. That's number three. Number four, it's trust the detached. So this one I really like because in several instances within the documentary, you saw where someone, it was most of the time it was like a producer. So like Rick Rubin or Butch Vig or someone who was in charge of organizing um the music or, or being like the, as uh, Jocko Willink would say, a detached, someone that's detached, that stepped back in order to get the best performance out of folks. And so, and Butch Vig, who was in Garbage, which was based out of Madison, Wisconsin. So that's kind of cool seeing Butch Vig, his story kind of overlaps with all this stuff. Anyway, but also Rick Rubin, who tried to get good stuff coming out of uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Johnny Cash and stuff. So trusting the decisions of these like detached producers. So like when Nirvana went in for the first time and they're going to record Lithium, right? And so it goes that song kind of goes and then all of a sudden it goes yeah yeah and it gets kind of it sounds like it gets quicker. Well, the drummy is actually the same pace but it just gets louder and like there's more guitar stuff happening. Well, I guess during the recording of that, like Dave Grohl would speed up. And so Butch Vig seeing that and he's like, this is really getting fast. And he, he asks, Hey Dave, could you drum to a click track, which is something that just like a metronome, like click, 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 which for a drummer, I guess is demoralizing, but you know, he was willing to take it and he, he did, he drummed to a quick click track and, you know, and now that's one of the most popular songs that Nirvana recorded. And, you know, that's cool that one, he was, Butch Vig was willing to say it and two, Dave Grohl was willing to trust that, um, trust that advice. Also, uh, Rick Springfield, whose story is, uh, interconnected with, um, Sound City big time. And he was recording Jesse's Girl. One, you know, the producer said, hey, this is the song we want to record. They think this is going to be a good one. He, and he didn't agree with that. All right, one, that was a good call by the producer. And then two, um, the, you know, they didn't really like, 
the producer really didn't like, I think his name was Rick Olson. Um, Olson, Nick Olson. Ah, anyway, it's in the, it's in the movie, but, um, didn't like his guitar playing. And so he brought in somebody else to do the guitar playing for Jesse's girl. And that's like the key part of the song. And like, when you think about Jesse's girls, you, you like, if you know that song, you hear the first, you know, three minutes of the guitar playing. You're like, Oh, that's Jesse's girl. And it's like, that's the, you know, the iconic song from Rick Springfield. And, the producer said, hey, we, this guitar part's got to be good. And he's right. He was right. Um, and so that gets me to think, like, who is speaking in? So think about the role of those people who are detached from the actual thing that was happening, the creation of music. Like, who is, who is speaking into me? Who is speaking into my creation, my teaching creation, right? And so thinking about, like, for instance, in this case, um, you know, where I'm moving my classrooms completely online, who am I having speak it into it? And so I have a friend, Joe, whose doctorate is in educational technology. How about I have him look at what I'm doing? Does he have any suggestions? Does he have any ideas for how I can make what I'm doing better given my design principles, things like that? Or, you know, who is speaking into my parenting, another place where I'm doing my teaching? Who are my mentors? Who am I looking to, to, for guidance? Who are my detached people? Um, and then having the guts or the, um, not the guts, but the lack of pride or, no, you want to be proud, but not too proud. I guess not too proud to say like, you know what, you're right. And there's a great example of that where in when Trent Reznor and Dave and uh, company are making, are, you know, constructing their song, like Trent is saying like, you know what, there needs to be a bass part. And he tries to do a bass part. And he's like, he looks across at the, the, the guy from Queens of the Stone Age and says, Hey, can you do any better? Cause I'm doing this and I think it could be better, but you wouldn't be stepping on my toes. But like, I mean, Reznor was able to detach himself and say like, you know what? This isn't that great. I could use some more, some help with this. And like, you know, thinking my hesitation or my, um, something I'm guilty of all a lot of time is I've got this problem. I will, I will solve it. Or you've got a problem. I'm going to solve your problem for you that I can do it by myself. And so one thing I really appreciated as, you know, we, as a, um, as a, you know, as a department, as a, a group that was thinking about, okay, we're moving this class. That's completely, that's face to face and has a field experience. We're moving it completely online in, in the, in the face of this global pandemic where, there's no, uh, we can't be together. We need to be socially distant, right? And there's there's no field experience for them to take advantage of. What are we going to do? Now, again, I'm trying to solve that on my own, but we as colleagues got together in a Zoom, had a decent long session where we solved those problems together. It's not my normal way to do things, but I was so glad I did because everything I'm doing now is based off of those interactions with colleagues. And I'm so thankful for the leadership in my department and how they, and like, Am I trusting those who can speak into my teaching, right? So it's, so trust the detached, right? Trust those that are detached from your, your own teaching or your own experience. All right. And finally, seek out partners. And it, it kind of speaks into, right, that learning of trusting the detached is also to seek out partners and something with my own learning of, you know, uh, that I just talked about with regards to designing my class for online instruction. But in the, uh, in the documentary is pretty cool where you saw the story of how Fleetwood Mac came together, or at least the Fleetwood Mac that we know came together. Like Fleetwood Mac existed before uh, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham were a part of them. But 
I mean, that's kind of what we know is when they became a part and rumors came out and you're like, whoa, this is awesome music. Got that on vinyl. Ooh, so good. Anyway, like um, Mick Fleetwood was looking for a guitar player, checked out, um, uh, he went and checked out uh, Sound City for a studio. Buckingham and Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks just recorded a their Buckingham Nicks record there and were just hanging out because they got dropped by their label. And um, as a sample of what the studio could do, uh, the um, uh, the producer played for Mick Fleetwood some music, and it was happened to be Buckingham Nicks that he played for him, and he really got into it. And eventually, you know, Mick Fleetwood, they lost their guitar player. They needed a guitar player. He's like, hey, that guy that I heard on that recording, can I get him for um, for my band? And like, well, if you take him, you got to take her because it's his girlfriend. And there you go. There, Fleetwood Mac came together. And immediately, you know, when he's seeking partners and he was being open to being, uh, to having not only Lindsey Buckingham, but Stevie Nicks be a part. And you get one of the greatest albums of all time that came out of that and some of the greatest music in rock history just come together uh, almost from this just star, these paths just crossing through Sound City. And it's pretty cool. And I mean, having people that you have good interactions with and, and going with that. And so, you know, before I talked on a previous episode, I believe I talked about, you know, people I worked well with, I worked well with Anne Monroe. She's been on this podcast a number of times. She's going to be on one in the future too. Like she's someone that if I have something that I need to run by or she has a good eye for, um, making whatever I'm going to do better. Shane Bean, who I hope to have on the podcast in the future, he's someone that I started teaching with way back in 2002 and thinking about the the things that I've brought to him that he's helped make better. Like those partnerships that we do and even like in our parenting or whatever, any other role that you're trying to do and you want to make it better, like seeking out those people. And even, and it even can be from a distance. Uh, one person that in the Sound City documentary, I believe is the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine, talked about, hey, go back and look at look at the music of the people that whose music you like, who did they like, right? And so, you know, one thing that I heard about, you know, is, recently is this band called Big Star, like that a lot of the bands that I like from, uh, you know, the 90s and things, like this band called Big Star that I'd never heard of before. And like some of you that are music aficionados, are like, are you kidding? You don't know about Big Star? Well, it's like, I got in on this little secret. I can't wait to get their album and to listen to that and see, you know, like what, what could I learn or about music or what, you know, what did they learn about music through listening to Big Star? And then also thinking about who are the people, what are the people that I look up to? What are they reading? Who are they listening to? And how could I take advantage of it? Again, seeking out more partnerships and it all kind of stings. Uh, and then for thinking about people that you interact with on a daily basis and, and, you know, like through, you know, Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks coming together with Mick Fleetwood and the rest of whatever Fleetwood Mac was at the time, um, you know, they made some beautiful music together where they each brought their own ideas and then each of their ideas got better because of the interactions. And that goes into this idea of, uh, Vygotsky talks about zone of proximal development. And if you're not a teacher, this is, it's kind of interesting. And, and you've seen this where you, here's what you're capable of a certain thing. And then you're capable of more with help. Right. And so, Buckingham Knicks and the rest of Fleetwood Mac come together and they each were capable of so much of probably some pretty good music on their own. But when you brought them together and they had a chance to interact, it's almost like they climb, one of them climbs up to a certain point and brings the other one up and the other one gets brought up to the other point. And it's like, 
you see this just beautiful thing come together through their interactions. And you can think like, you know, something I notice, you know, now that I'm, I'm doing this episode on my own, but I know that podcast episodes where I get a chance to talk to, you know, Claire Rierick or Tom Andrews or Glory Lats and Billions, those get better because of interacting with somebody else where he, this one is just, this is my thoughts and I've got, that's all I've got versus, you know, the play back and forth with each other. Um, that's, that's kind of valuable. And so seeing that almost zone of proximal development in, um, in action. Right. And so, you know, Lars Ulrich in the, um, in the video talks about it as feel or the chemistry that happens between people. And I really believe there is something there in that. Yeah. There's some, sometimes it's messy to work with people, but you want that you miss out on the beauty and the, the, what could happen, the potential, if you are messing around with that, uh, or you don't have those partners to work with. So seek out partners. And I thought Mick Fleetwood had a perfect sort of, um, quote to end that on is like, and, and kind of is at the heart of this whole documentary is about the people interactions. And this, the whole thing with the Nev Council is about capturing the beauty of what people create. And so he, this is the quote he said, I think the downside these days is thinking I can do this all on my own. Yes, you can do this all on your own, but you'll be a much happier human being if you do it with other human beings. And that again is from Mick Fleetwood. And I, I really love that quote. Because, yeah, you, you can do a lot on your own. You can sit in a closet, record a podcast on your own. Yeah, you can totally do it. But it would be better with other human beings, you know? And so that those are my learnings. Those are my high fives. So seek out partners, trust the detached, music of mistakes, technology is a tool, and the outcome is what matters. So those are my high five. And then, so the now you know is, hey, what what would I have done before if I would have known that now? What would I have done before if I would have had these learnings before? Okay. So, and I think, you know, this is just synthesized something that I've, I've kind of understood, but it kind of is bringing it more and more to light, more firm in my philosophy is at the center of teaching is developing a relationship between people and content. Need to always keep that at the center, right? So the, whether it's recording with Pro Tools or recording with this analog with tape, at the center of it is good music, right? And bringing that music to life. And so whether it's Pro Tools is, you know, helping make it better through like what Tres Reznor is doing, using it as a tool, or is through the Nev Council of recording every single, um, you know, mistake that happens, the extra drum hit where it's like the human side of the recording gets, gets there. It's like, no matter what, it's what's at the center is people. And so at the center of teaching is that developing the relationship between people and content. And if the technology helps that out, then that's great. But if it's dist distracting from it, or if it's just like some, you know, beautiful wrapping to put around it, is it really necessary? And so I think about that. I think like, what's the purpose of what I'm doing? And is it, um, is it beneficial, right? Is the, is what I'm doing beneficial to enhancing that relationship between the person and the content, right? And then you make the call is thinking about um, what I would do going forward. So we're having a big push toward online courses. And obviously the biggest push was what we've currently experienced. And so how do I do that and still keep people at the center? And so some things that I'm doing is in my current, you know, when I'm moving my current course to online, 
one thing is about keeping people at the center is having synchronous instruction. So it's synchronous instruction, but I'm recording the video in case they can't get there. So knowing that people have different circumstances, I've kept the synchronous instruction to the time periods when we would normally have class, but reducing it. So I'm trying to do like 30 minutes where we can see each other's faces because I think it's pretty important to have those human connections. So having those recording them though, in case they can't make it and then posting those recordings later. So again, even if they can't see be a participant during the online instruction whenever it's happening they can see the video later so at least they can see faces and know that hey there are people still out there um even though i've got to be socially distant from them so that's something is you know and also too we're also in my course we're also requiring some one-on-one conferences where we can go through their main thing that we have to develop um for the course and making sure we're touching base with them and we're seeing how they're doing on whatever the objectives are for those uh, weeks. We're doing two of them. So one every two weeks, a one-on-one. It's so I think that's manageable for um, us as an instructional team, but it's also manageable for our students to schedule a uh, one-on-one conference, either through um, a video conferencing or if they need to through phone, again, trying to make sure that they have access to technology um, that, Make sure we're using technology they have ready ready access to. All right? So, and then, you know, that kind of draws me to some of the, my design principles I have for my courses. And so thinking about, again, trying to make sure that that human connection is at the middle. Again, we're doing asynchronous instruction. We're using technology that's readily available. We're stripping down to only the, the key objectives for the course. The key tasks for the course is what is at the center. And then, again, just trying to acknowledge that People have different stresses going on right now and making sure that we're taking care of not only um, the content, not only what's for the course, but also each other and giving access to um, yeah, access to each other in order to make sure we're, we're um, having that human connection and making sure that they see that we care not only about um, their, per- their performance as a student, but their, how they're doing as a person. So, all right. Sum for seven, and you probably already heard this already, that we're summing for a seven-year-old, that people and not devices are at the center of the creative process. Again, that's people and not devices are at the center of the creative process. I think that's about it. This is a a great documentary. If you enjoy any of the music that I mentioned, so Fleetwood Mac, Nirvana, uh, REO Speedwagon, Tom Petty, and the Heartbreaker, Johnny Cash, when he started doing stuff with Rick Rubin, all that stuff, or even just the creative process of creating songs. Like, so I think they have Rick Springfield, uh, Stevie Nicks, um, the guy from Fear, the punk rock band. Uh, they're creating a record too. Um, I said Trent Reznor. I said Paul McCartney. I don't know. There's the history and then the creative process. It's just an awesome thing. So again, links will be posted to all, everything I mentioned at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 20. And that is all. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. We always appreciate it. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review. You can like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. You can sign up for the Amazon Planet email list. And those links are either at the Facebook page or at AmazonPlanet.com. And you just go to the main page and scroll down a little bit. You'll see a subscribe button try to keep everyone posted. I'm also trying to be as transparent with what I'm doing with my teaching right now. I've been posting links 
in there in uh, in some of my newsletters that have been going out every week. So if you want to sign up for those, you can get access to that. You can also find me on the interwebs via Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all in the ham- handle at Amazon Planet. Always looking for questions, comments, new uh, episode ideas, uh, whatnot. We've got a few in the pipe, but always looking for more ideas. And if you've got more ideas for this, like create theme, um, been again did the Rick Rubin Broken Record podcast, did this uh, on the Sound City documentary. So, any other ideas? If you got any other ideas for great. Uh, music documentaries. I've got the ones that I mentioned, but I'm always looking for more. Um, and finally, if you're looking for a way to support the podcast and looking for a way to maybe have, have like a good message going out for yourself and for others out there, if you want to get a Be The Good shirt or hoodie or coffee cup, you can get that at AmazonPlanet.com. You go to the store uh, link, or you can also find that link in Instagram in my bio and get one of those Be The Good shirts. I think... Uh, some folks have been wearing them during these times because they need that message right now. So when you're socially distanced, you can point to each other and you can believe that there's good in the world. So thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. Um, th- special thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. Uh, thanks to Dave Grohl for creating this, uh, for really you know caring about music and wanting to keep this kind of... Uh, historical artifact alive and, and showing the creative process. I'm really thankful for that. Finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.